0: Uh, seasons in your life where you focus a lot, uh, when you're looking to uh, buy a home and you're saving all that extra money, or when you're uh, wanting to get fit because you've got that birthday coming up and you know people are going to take pictures of you, and uh, you are uh, seasons in your life where you're focused on different energies and stuff like that. And I wanted to invite us as a church over the next eight weeks to kind of focus on, um, on growing spiritually on actually looking at our spiritual lives and taking a big leap forward uh, as far as faith goes. And, and where we're going to do that is by focusing into this uh, study. Uh, the study itself is called Proven, uh, but it's based on this little book called Nothing to Prove uh, by someone named Jenny Allen, and she's, uh, her and her husband pastor a church in Texas, I think Austin, Texas. Some of you know a lot better than me. She runs an organization called If Gathering. Uh, which has been really significant for a lot of the uh, women in our church. It's a woman's, it's a like man fest without all the men uh, event. (laughs) um, But I actually uh, wanted to uh, just talk about, oh, let me say this. There are, I think, like three or four copies of this at the Go table outside on the Go cart. Uh, And you can grab those if you want. We didn't get that many because so many of you uh, read on your Kindle devices and things like that and so many of you buy books but really just listen to them on audible uh so you can get this on audible or you can get it on your kindle device but why read when someone can read to you right so um i (laughs) let me say this too little disclaimer um this is published by a group called uh, okay if you're baptist this is going to get rough uh This is published by a little group called Lifeway, and Lifeway is like Baptist uh, publishing house, and part of what it means to be Baptist is um, men read books by men and women read books by women, and um, that's not a criticism, that's just real. And it's not mean, because Lifeway knows uh, that good Baptist men are what's theologically called complementarian, and they take some verses out of context, that's me criticizing an entire denomination i apologize the, only the biggest denomination but uh in the material there's a lot of stuff where it's like i'm only talking to women i'm only talking to women because that's the only way Lifeway will publish it all right so if you're so sexist i mean baptist that you can't read uh, a <laughs> book good night some of my very best friends are baptists so And they're not sexist they just have theology that i disagree with Um, i've actually tried to read more books by women because so many christian books that sell are by men and uh whether that's uh the chicken or the egg as far as the problem goes it's just something that i've been trying to grow in um i read this book well (laughs) see the way i said that i'm halfway through it there's my bookmark Uh, but I read it on audible and that's all that matters right so um, I was listening to it on audible and uh, and I do that when I do the dishes in my house that's my I don't cook things I clean things and uh, that's good for everyone in my house and uh, I was doing the dishes and I'm listening to the book on on audible just on my headset there while I clean up and it kept getting uh, frustrating, because the things that, in, that Jenny Allen shared in this book were hitting really close to my heart. And uh, some of the stories that she tells uh, are things that I have in common with her and with her experience, and it's very um, uh, difficult stuff and touching stuff, and it kept you know, the dishes kept getting blurry. I certainly wasn't tearing up, but the, everything in the world was getting blurry. Uh, as I listened to this book. And and it was embarrassing then because my family's walking through having a normal day and I'm having these moments with Jesus and a person with a southern accent, which I believe Jesus has a southern accent. (laughs) I never saw the shack, but is that true? I think that might be true. Uh, But uh, it is, for me, uh, listening to the book has been a very growing experience for me, and it's not like I found a program that I want to give to the church. It's really something that's been effective in my life, and I want to share it with everyone. Does that make sense? So we are uh, going to do this whole Jenny Allen series, and it's kind of funny because churches don't do this stuff, right? We do series by men, right? And uh, we have man pastors and that kind of thing, but uh, the... it's funny because I'm criticizing the Baptists, but our own denomination doesn't ordain women, so you can write a letter to the superintendent. His name is Randy. Uh, <laughs> I talk to him about it frequently and disagree with my own denomination, but I officially agree with them. so there you go. Uh, the, uh, this series, I think, it's... Um, Uh, Really about uh, some of the emotional intelligence and emotional depth that would pay off a lot for you to grow in that area. I've lived my life um, for a long time uh, trying. Like I, I I don't have what's called emotional intelligence. And if you're friends with me, you you can amend that right there because they'll be in conversations, and I have no idea that the other person is hurting or overjoyed. Like, and it genuinely, it's like a uh, like I'm not able uh, to understand sometimes. Like I watch Big Bang Theory and that nerdy guy. I'm like, I don't understand why this is funny. Like this is just normal life. And uh, uh, I'm getting it more now. It, the, they're jokes. But uh, uh, it's just, I tried to live my life at such a speed that I could overcome that. You know that disc profile that you take? It's D-I-S-C, your personality. It's a, a, a dominant influencer uh, steadiness and conscientious and you do two tests and the one is your projected self and the one is your real self well there's a d i s c and your c is your conscientious self and my projected conscientious is one step above zero and that's actually working hard because my actual c is a literal zero I have no skills, and I haven't done that test in a while, and I've been, uh, because I always thought that was awesome, right? Because I'm a strength-based guy, and I'm very high I and high D, and uh, that means I win. Uh, And the problem is I win alone. Uh, And, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) laughing at my pain you are, but, uh, but you, uh, this is kind of how I was made and the way that you were made a lot of us take that and say this is how God made me and so you can't change it and and I don't think that that is a healthy way to live life I think that's a healthy way maybe to achieve things uh, but in actually living your life uh, that's like saying "Uh, I'm a bull in a china shop and tough luck because God put me here right and you just are uh, deluding yourself into ignoring the damage that you're doing uh, around you uh, together with that there is and jenny allen in this introductory video shared a little bit about this and there's a story in the beginning as as pastors uh in a church her and her husband um it's kind of a unique life and a unique lifestyle when i started like when i was a youth pastor it's fun it's like party all the time and the people that were mad at me would go to my boss and i had a good boss so he would protect me from most of that junk uh and uh not that it's some of their complaints were valid some of it was just like i'm in my 20s man we're having a good time uh see how i had a zero on my conscientious but um when you become a the senior pastor there's no one above like it's me superintendent jesus right and you don't know who the superintendent is and so it's me and jesus all alone and and he's invisible, so it's kind of a weird uh, circumstance that you end up in, and so other pastors who were, mentored me and, and really tried to help me out gave me advice, and uh, one of their advice was that I shouldn't have friends, uh, that I should, uh, pastors should be able to be just, I should get, and me and my wife should get some other friends that are also pastors, and, and I can be friends with them. You can't be friends with people in your church. I don't know if you've ever been friends with a pastor. Or if you're friend, like, it's awful, all right? Like, if you're friends with me, you're like, it's always awkward, right? Like, you're going out somewhere, and there's always the question, are we allowed to bring alcohol? Is the pastor going to be there, right? And, and, uh, and, and there's all like, I know all of the sins, like, all of them. And so you're always like, ah, oh, did I do a sin or not? And he knows, like, he knows. And I don't know if it's, a, you know, and, and it's awkward for me because I know all the sins, uh, it, it is and and if you're a pastor like you genuinely like you go to school and you genuinely think using words like complementarianism and egalitarianism in a sense you think people like that because you get in this little bubble of other people and you all kind of egg each other on it's just the same thing happens to like computer programmers they go out and they think everybody enjoys that stuff right and uh, it's it's you get into your career field and and the pastor career field isn't exactly full of fun people or right like the pastor party it closes down at eight you know so, it, it literally does but, uh we have these pastor weekend things and uh, we tried to start some late night things for the younger guys and uh nope the younger guys dreamed of being older guys someday and they went to bed i was like wow like what's what's everybody doing it's only two you know but <laughs> so i uh so we rejected that uh for good or for good or bad good or bad i have plenty of friends who are pastors and i'm friends with them but we decided we're going to have friends and what that means when you're going to have friends is you expose yourself to a certain amount of vulnerability Uh, and exposing yourself to that vulnerability uh, becomes difficult when you don't have skills uh, to deal with vulnerability and so when we started this church uh, I, and I genuinely believe this. So it's, I believe in spiritual warfare, and I believe in the, uh, that the devil actually, and not, maybe not the devil himself, but uh, influences of demonic influences, and I think there's a genuine, when I read the Bible, a genuine war in the spiritual realm happening. Uh, I think that when you start something like a church that has changed the number of lives that the grove has and has the influence in the world that the grove has, that it wakes up... Uh, the forces of evil in the spiritual realm, and it comes against you. And the best way to come against me is to attack that vulnerable side and uh, take away uh, friendships and take away my ability to uh, be real and be honest. And and it really, when we started this church, and people would come to church, they would always comment, and they're like, "It's so weird, your pastor is honest." Right, and and it's this weird. We, I almost wanted to advertise like church, but honest. And and I was like, but it's kind of the. It's like this criticism that other churches aren't being honest, and, and that's not what I wanted to do because I think they're, I think they're genuinely trying their best. But after a while, you have I have this video uh, uh, that I keep saved in my Google Drive. That I watch every now and then, and it's by a pastor that I look up to, a famous guy, and he has this video called "Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts." Uh, and you kind of have, and if you've ever, if you have other friends who are pastors, I promise this is happening to them, uh, little, like little cuts and little jabs, and it's very rare, as much as it makes the news, it's very rare that a pastor goes down in like a ball of flames, you know, and most of the time it's just like uh, that kind of t- small hits, small hits, small hits, and I got to a point uh, early on in the church uh, when. Uh, I had these friends who were pastors who I thought were going to grow up together and all but one, and there was kind of this big group of pastors that were my age and all but one uh, left the ministry, just said, enough's enough, I'm out. Uh, and it's actually a remarkably high percentage of pastors who don't go, go into ministry. And then we got Facebook and you can connect to people on Facebook and pastors are men, who I, uh, men and women that I looked up to when I was going through Bible college, people who were ahead of me who i thought man they would like people who were trained to be senior pastors and i was like i'd love to work for them they're awesome and and now they are working as uh insurance salesmen and uh, nothing against insurance salesmen uh, but uh, they're also they're working in in other professions and they have different stories like it hurt and i quit because i don't like pain Uh, and it's this weird moment when you look around and you're like am I the only dummy here (laughs) some of you are pretending like you never experienced that right Uh, but you're just you just kind of are wondering like is there something wrong with what I'm doing and so I think all of us have these limits this is why I'm sharing all of this kind of backstory we decided to keep friends uh, and when you keep friends um, life is actually more difficult uh, when you have, because I'm not always awesome at being a friend or being a pastor, I can sometimes mess both of those things up at the same time, and, it, and it's just uh, a relational atomic bomb that is set off in the middle of that, uh, <laughs> and it's usually my fault because my C is a zero. The, uh, in that, I think we all have these limits, and what it means when you have a high di in your personality is just that your limit is further out there and i used to say and i genuinely said this out of my own mouth uh that when i get to heaven heaven is eternal rest and i'll rest when i get there i don't need to rest here and so i actually slept a lot less than the average person and i figured i could go through life on very low energy uh i took pills that would keep me awake uh like these uh you ever eat ginseng it's awesome uh but It probably took years off my life, but it's the ones at the end, so who needs those? Uh, That's a genuine, like I would say junk like that and be like, yeah, this is how I'm living my life and just pushing, uh, trying to find my limit and pushing, pushing, pushing. Meanwhile, I'd be preaching to people like, you can rest in God and God's uh, rest is here for you right now, but I wasn't living that out. And in the summer of uh, 2015, uh, I, I broke on the inside. Uh, it was the, one of the weirdest experiences of my entire life. I, I've based a lot of my identity on being the strongest. And maybe not like I can't bench the most, but I can take the most pain. I definitely can't bench the most. I've been mocked for that. But, uh, but I can take that mocking. Uh, and, and I got to a point uh, where just my brain stopped working. And, and some of you have been there, some of you haven't. This might sound ridiculous to some of you, and others, you're like, yep. And you can point to when that happened. And I started having, like, physical symptoms because of not being able to deal with emotional stress. Uh, and this is probably TMI for some of you, I apologize. Like, if you got up this morning you were like, let's go to a random church, and then we get weirdo who's sharing about his burnout. So <laughs> I understand, you know. At the end of the sermon, a lot of people have to go to the bathroom because I preach too long, so you can sneak out then, but, and I will see you sneaking out, (laughs) me and Jesus. Uh, I started having like some physical symptoms, and and I remember uh, just, I didn't, I I didn't like myself, Um, I couldn't figure out uh, what was going on in my head. Uh, and I, I eventually uh, talked to my wife and told her I don't, like I don't know what's wrong and I don't know how to find out what's wrong and I don't know who, I don't know what to do. And uh, so I reached out to people. Um, if you identify yourself with your strength and your toughness, uh, I went to my doctor and told him my, my insides weren't working. And I didn't mean my insights, I meant my insights. And if you've ever been in that seat and had your doctor look at you and you have to tell him something's wrong and I don't know what and I don't know how to fix it it's um it's like it's hard to think of how my life would get lower because I wasn't just getting help I was the guy who didn't need help and so I went there he he helped me out actually and didn't embarrass me he uh got me into this kind of community of other people who had some of the same things going on in their life that i did struggling with anxiety and depression and some of those things Uh, i i sent an email uh, because i'm too chicken to actually call uh, i sent an email to the guy who coached me uh, when we first started this church and said hey i don't know what's going on and i don't know what to do and uh, he agreed to meet with me and then i uh, sat down with the elders of our church and shared with them and uh, not one person reacted the way I thought they should react. Uh, because I thought they should react by saying, I thought you were tougher than this, you pansy. Right, because that's, that's what I was telling myself, right? And maybe they did under their breath, but no one did out loud, and, and that was super meaningful. Uh, and I just kind of, uh, I, I reached out to the guy who coached me, and I've been meeting with him monthly for almost two years now um, because of this. And, I, and we got together, Uh, And it was kind of like, I I had gone to people for advice before, and no one had given me advice that was, uh, this is judgy, good. Uh, Like they had said, you need to change who you are, and and who I, like, I want to be the guy who sticks his head up when it's dangerous, right? Like, I enjoy running towards dangerous and awkward situations, because I think that's where the fun is. And I know most of us are smarter than that, and you're like, uh, you know, if you're running towards a bear, you want to be the second guy, not the first guy, right? And I've literally been the first guy. This is a funny story I tell you another time. There was a bear, and I picked up a stick and chased it away. It wasn't a big bear, like, you know, but I chased it with my friends, and we were, you know, let's, let's catch the bear. Or let's, we didn't want it near our campsite, so we're going to beat it up. That's what you do, Right? conscience is very very low (laughs) Uh, but there is I also grew up in Canada so if you're like oh (laughs) Uh, the uh so I met with uh John Strutz who is uh my mentor and and I really um he's in Israel right now so he won't hear this at all and I don't think he knows how to podcast so he won't hear it but uh it is uh I think he kind of saved me, and not just like saved my ministry, but like saved who I am. And I sat down with him, and I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to lead this, and I don't know how to lead myself or lead my family, and I don't like who I am or who I'm becoming because I've taken risks and uh, all this kind of stuff, and it's some of the things have backfired on me. And he said, and we're going to open the scripture in a second. I don't, I'm not treating this like therapy, but I want you to hear some of this stuff. He uh, pulled out uh, one of those little school book notebooks, those composition books, and he had two of them, and he gave me one and gave me the other, and he goes, this is going to be your journal. And so you know, journaling is what weak people do, right? Like, I apologize if you journal, but I'll tell you how weak I am in a second. But, like, you write down your feelings. I don't have feelings, right? And uh, so there's nothing to write down. I have a journal. It's blank paper, you know? Like, that's where my feelings go. <laughs> and uh, The funny part is all the jokes have a little bit of truth on the inside. And so I say it in a funny way, but I genuinely thought, like, journaling was for people who were weak. And uh, he's like, you're going to journal. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that, <laughs> you know? And why don't you tell me how to fix this, and then we can just move forward. Uh, and he actually... Uh, had me i set up this whole life plan um i read that i I found out that like emotional intelligence is like a skill it's not just a pit of despair and uh and i i like found all these books on learning how to have feelings and understand what they are Uh, and you might for a lot of you you're like man this guy is a wreck but i genuinely had no skill in that area uh there was a time in my life when um i would do pastoral counseling and people i was paul newman right is that that guy the guy who said when the he was a counselor and they said this is my problem he said stop it right like james this is what i'm struggling with here's my solution stop it right like just no one remembers that clip. so there's an old tv clip. you can google old tv clips. all right <laughs> goodness sakes gen x forever but uh but there is uh like i i've learned that you can grow in these areas and john who was my mentor gave me this journal and he took it and he wrote on the front next level and i was like next level like i can't do this level you know like I'm, i'm trying to figure out this level and he genuinely saw and he knew me and he knew our church and he helped us get started uh, but he saw and he knew and he understood that God's taken us to somewhere new. And who I was, what got me here, wasn't bad, but it can't get me there. Uh, what got me here couldn't get me there. Which is, a, like it's this catchy saying. I have a, actually I have a book that says what got you here can't get you there. And it's written by a Navy guy. It's fantastic. But it, it's like a catchy saying But in there, there's this thing that says, what got me here was who I am. And what I had to admit was who I am is insufficient for what God wants to do. And God specifically wants to do it through me. Like, and me and God had conversations about this where I was like, how about someone else? Right? Like, there are other things that I would uh, do if it meant that I would stop having these physical symptoms of stress. Uh, And and there is a God in that moment said, this is what we're doing. I now, I'm the weakest person uh, that I know. I journal almost every day. Uh, so those of you who don't journal, you are tougher than me now. Uh, according to old James, who we've put on the cross, and he's dead now. <laughs> uh, that's theological. Like, okay, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm Jesus. There's some of Paul's writings that refer to that. But there is an old James that we had to get rid of, uh, and we've moved into this new James. Uh, And there's some patterns in my life that I've had to change and grow in and adjust, uh, and things that I do and ways that I behave that I never used to. Um, I. I'm in this pattern of reading these books and, and I, I'm still working on this life plan that I'm doing. Uh, I've stopped doing some things that I used to really enjoy because it wasn't going to help me get to where I need to go. Uh, I used to, uh, blog things. It wasn't going to help me get to where I need to go. Uh, I, I, like, and then there's other things that I do now that I never used to do. And I moved into these new areas. Uh, and I, practice my spirituality in a way that is increasing my health Uh, and my production is coming from that instead of coming from my skills and ability Uh, here's what I want to read to you from the scripture this is John chapter 7 can we put it on the screen Um, Jesus says this on the last and greatest day of the festival and I'm going to tell you about that in a second Jesus stood and said in a loud voice Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, and this is uh, referring back to Isaiah, which is an Old Testament prophet that they would have had. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The festival Jesus is speaking at is one of the major festivals where all the people of Israel came back to the city of Jerusalem, as as many as, as who were able came back to the city of Jerusalem it's the festival of booths or if you have a King James it's the festival of tabernacles and it literally was when they would all sleep outside in tents either on the roof of their house cuz they had flat-roofed dwellings or in the yard and a whole country camped out for 8 days maybe the best idea ever right like you're just outside on your lawn and nobody has Netflix are running water right now anyway so they're basically camping all the time so it's not that much of a difference Uh, but they are all outside in order to remember the time when they as a country lived in tents when they as a country uh, were nomadic when God freed them from Egypt but hadn't brought them into the promised land an entire generation lived their lives or died off in that desert an entire generation was born in that desert and who they were was defined by this celebration. And uh, every day at that celebration, they remembered something specific that happened. And this had been going on for a long time. It's not in the scripture. It's a, a rabbinical tradition that was added for the city of Jerusalem. And they would take this gold pitcher, each of the first seven days, a gold pitcher. And they walked down to this, uh, there were like these pools inside of the city where they would uh, keep water for the use of the people, and they would take some water out of there and they'd walk it up to the temple into the altar and pour it on the altar to remember the times that they were in the desert and God provided water for them. There were some specific times that that happened where uh, Moses had a rock and God caused water to start coming out of it and they remembered those moments and those times that God provided for them. And the water in the scripture has a direct reference to like God's spirit or god's messiah or god's deliverance you're in a really bad place you're in this desert you're super thirsty you need water it's not like an optional thing and god provides and maybe you've had that happen physically but i would bet all of us have had times in our life when we're just thirsty and we don't know where it's going to come from and god provides We need something, and God gives it to us in the most unlikely, unusual way. And so for seven days, they did this. And then on the eighth day, they didn't. On the eighth day, they didn't bring it up because they were pointing towards a future Messiah that would come and rescue them from the situation that they were in. Whereas God did rescue us for seven days, on the eighth day... They don't bring any water to signify their thirst as a whole community, to signify their thirst and to remember uh, that God is going to provide for us. And Jesus walks into the temple on the day that everyone is thirsty, that everyone is remembering intentionally their spiritual thirst and desire for a future Messiah to come and rescue them as a country. And Jesus stands off to the side and said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Everyone there would have understood this as Jesus announcing himself as the Messiah. Jesus walks over in the corner of the temple and says, the thing you're looking for, right here. It's this, like we look at this and we don't catch all the context of what's happening, but the reason they say on the last and the greatest day of the festival is because this is what everyone is thinking. This is what everyone is focused on that day. And Jesus stands over there and says, here I am. And then he says... Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He then says that he isn't the source, but the rivers of living water will flow. Sorry, he isn't the source in a direct way. He's the source in an indirect way because whoever believes in him, the rivers of living water will flow out of them. And in my life, what I had been doing it's having rivers of living water flowing out of me and forgetting that I can take a drink as it's flowing out of me. And I was doing significant, like, oh, this is going to be a humble brag. I planted a dang church, right? Like, I took a risk for Jesus. Well, I became a pastor when all pastors are horrid friends. I, I, I was doing everything I could. I had like I was, river flowing out of me like a fire hydrant, you know, just like spraying Jesus all over everyone. And if you sat in the front and the sermon had a lot of peas in it, that was true that week, right? Like, bah, bah, bah. I use humor to deflect my emotions too, so that's what's going on right there. But there is, uh, from within you, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus himself says, from within you, which is where the scripture teaches us the spirit of God dwells, a river of living water, which is how the Bible refers to um, like the movement of the spirit of God, a river of living water flowing out of you for uh, just for the drinking of enjoyment of everyone. And what happens if you're a person who strives and pushes and is like a highly demanding of yourself person or a person who really wants to be accepted or a person who really wants people to uh, have a certain viewpoint of you is you spend all of your time just pouring into other people's water jugs and you never take a drink yourself. You know what the shameful part of this is? There's a guy named Jason Mitchell. He's a pastor in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He just wrote his first book. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's fantastic. Everything that Jason Mitchell does is fantastic. He was a year ahead of me in, in school. And he's easily the um, third best pastor in this country. Easily. I don't know that. He's probably the best. <laughs> and I, I'm not one or two, so you know. I'm thinking like Ricky Warren and uh, my friend with the globe, Joel Osteen uh, so it's like Rick, Joel, and Jason. <laughs> bestseller, bestseller, one book. All right, <laughs> but he said to me as and we were on campus one time, and I don't know why I remember these things because I don't have a memory. And we were talking about ministry, and he was working in the big alliance church in town, and he and he should be because he was an amazing guy. And I was working in the little alliance church, and we had six kids in our youth group, and he had six hundred. And, like, the entire school, uh, entire high school just migrated to his youth group. Well, our Alliance Church was actually called, we put on our reader board, the other Alliance Church. And I was like, what, like, how horrid are we, right? Like, the other, okay. And so we had this outreach, uh, this, we we're going to, kids, invite your friends. And we had, uh, like, eight kids come, uh, which is 20% growth. And so we started advertising ourselves, so it's that 20 Uh, something like that, 33% growth. And we we started advertising ourselves as the fastest growing youth group in town, (laughs) which is true, but manipulative. (laughs) But he said to me, and I was telling him about this, and he was so generous in investing in me, and he said, "Um, make sure you're pouring into yourself and pour out on them, like pour into all of them and make sure you're pouring into yourself. And what I happened which broke me on the inside i don't know if it's in my brain or in my soul and i don't know where that is but what broke me was i got so good at pouring out that i forgot to pour in and you start pouring out just from your own energy and your own effort and when you're and if you read the book or listen to it on audible and tell people you read it um jenny allen talks about this thing when you go into a church you're generally taking a look at the pastor and seeing yeah i can handle this guy or no i can't handle this guy i've been there right some of you are there and you're answering nope can't handle this i apologize when you uh, start a church we had like 10 new families a week right because nobody had ever been here before, and we started a church in a middle school, and people are like, That's crazy. Is this a cult or a church, right? Like, you need pews and male leadership. But uh, <laughs> they would come in, and they would evaluate, just like all of us do. This isn't a good or bad thing. And 80% of them go. And so, for 80% of them, I wasn't good enough which isn't necessarily true. It just wasn't what God wanted or it wasn't the best or blah, 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 blah. But at some point, I believed that if I did better, like if I did better, then this would go better. Do you hear the lie in that? The problem is I didn't. And that's how you end up breaking yourself. Thankfully, the rivers of living water pour out of the inside of everyone who believes which still included me and rescue was easily available and just like you if you are there and some of you I know you're there and it might not look the same as me but it feels like things aren't working and I can't figure it out and I don't even know who to talk to here's the deal the reason that i tear up when i read the book and, and jenny allen shares some of her same experiences as what i had with people coming to their fledgling church and her thinking she was doing the right thing but saying the right we had people who left our church one time uh who because i was talking to someone and they walked up to talk to me and i motioned to them i don't even remember this i motioned to them in a way that they thought was dismissive left oh cool <laughs> right like those kind of things kind of suck And you've probably had friends like that, and you do something, and they interpret it in a certain way, and you didn't mean it in that way, blah, 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 blah. And that's not, I'm not saying they're good or bad. It was broken, and it sucks. But when you are moving in that direction, and that happens to you, and you don't have the emotional capacity to to deal with that, it's going to break you. And so when you read uh, the book, and I start feeling it in my core, it's because there's this identification like, oh, there's someone out there who's like me. And isn't that what you want? Like as much as you're as tough as I am, and I know you are because you go to the grove, right? You sit in those horrid chairs for a long-winded, long-winded preacher. And as much as you are keeping that shield up just like I did, finding that there's someone like you or someone who's experienced what you've experienced might be the best news in in the history of the world and so when we turn to Jesus and Jesus says are you thirsty and you're like yeah you could say that yeah like what I've got isn't sufficient and I need something more and Jesus says well the more is me the transition changes from me being the hero of the story, from you being the hero of your story, to Jesus being the hero. And you being okay with being a bit player. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to be the hero of my own story. Jesus is. That at the end of my life, or at the end of my days, not even at the end, like when people come to the Grove, what I, has happened less and less, as I've been able to make some changes, is people less and less say, it's all about James. Which we used to say it's all about Jesus, but that was a tricky way of saying it's all about James. And they've said, I'm here because of this, or I'm here because of that, or I'm here because of this. There's people who come to this church for long periods of time who I don't meet. <laughs> like they're here for a long time before we even hang out. I once met someone on the welcome team as they welcomed me to church. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, well, I don't know what's going on here you go here or did you just pick up bulletins, right? Like you saw someone else doing it, so you're trying to fit in. uh, But there is, like, uh, here's what I'm trying to say. If you're stuck, if you've been trying to prove it, if you've been striving and pushing in your life, the good news is, well, sorry, let me start with the horrid news. You're not enough. And so now the great news is, jesus is and jesus doesn't ask you to be enough he just asks you to drink from his well what the bible calls the well of salvation and drink deeply from it and so we become a group of people who are following jesus who self-identify not as being tough not as being awesome but as being the group that isn't going to measure up being the group that's going to disappoint. Being the group that's not going to be as awesome as we wished we were. And it sounds like a cop out for those of us who identify ourselves as being tough. But what it is, is actually the best and freest way to live. It's also the most difficult. Because I'm asking you in this series to take a step past what you identify yourself as. Like, here's who I am. What I'm telling you is with Jesus, there's something just past that that's radically difficult to get to, but it's the best possible place to be. Here's what's gonna happen, all right? Um, If you're in a life group, or we have some women's Bible studies uh, that are doing this too, there's a whole video series that you'll be able to access, and we'll have some questions and discussion on that, plus on Sunday sermons, and we'll kind of follow along a little bit we're also going to, uh, if you're not in a life group, we have those videos in digital format and you can shoot an email. I think it's in the bulletin. Shoot an email to uh, Heather at Albany Grove and she can share those with you uh, so that you can, maybe, maybe it's just you and your spouse or you and your family or maybe you have somebody else and you're like, hey, why don't we get together once a week uh, and we'll, uh, we won't invite the pastor so there's no question about what we can drink and then we'll just watch these videos uh, and discuss it, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you, can, uh, be, uh, you can start your own group if you want. and We have questions that we'll produce for you and videos that you can access. And you just click on them online and watch them. Uh, plus, we want you to get the book. And we're going to start a little online like Facebook Live book club on the Grove page. So if you're not on Facebook you, or if you're on Facebook or so you want to like the Grove and we'll do these little lives, it's going to be me and Heather. We're going to read the book and then discuss it uh on you can comment and stuff like that and we'll answer questions and things i don't know when we're going to do that but it'll happen once or twice a week as we uh, go through this so i really want you to I'm, what i'm really asking you to do is take the next eight weeks from now to the end of school and not senioritis this thing but to actually say i'm going to grow spiritually in a way that you have never seen or never experienced before and the way to do that you can't coast. to make some commitments and say i'm gonna i'm gonna read a book i'm gonna actually look at myself and i'm actually going to examine myself and and there's a workbook or there's questions in the book i'm actually going to get a pen and write them down uh, and be a part of what's going on because jesus wants to do something in your life jesus stands over in the corner while we're all standing here looking for some hope and he just says hey I'm, i'm i've got lots of hope and when you're standing over there looking for some healing and Jesus is like, hey, I'm the, I'm the guy who heals. And, and you're standing over there and you're hungry and you're thirsty and Jesus is like, multiple times I fed thousands of people uh, with no food. It's like miraculous. Like, I do these kinds of things. And you're in the room and Jesus is in the corner and I don't know what he's saying to you. But over these next two months, I want us to turn and walk towards Jesus and not walk back towards the same patterns that got us in trouble in the first place. Good patterns that got us to a good place, but what got you to that good place can't get you to the great place. Uh, let's pray together and then we'll worship, all right? Can we stand up and we'll pray? Uh, Jesus, our God, um, we, uh, I wanna lead us in thanking you for your grace. Uh, I have mastered what it means theologically But over these last couple of years, I've learned what it is. And so from a very deep place, many of us in this room want to thank you for your grace towards us, that you give us so much of yourself that we don't earn, we don't deserve, but you've chosen people like us to pour yourself into and allow us to drink the living water and experience who you are in whole new ways, because of your grace. We worship you, God, now. We worship you, excuse me, we worship you, Jesus, because you are worthy, and because you have proven yourself, which proves everything that we need to. We will never measure up, because we have all fallen short, but the grace of God overcomes that, and for that we worship you. Amen.